You might notice I have a little bit of a scratchy voice this morning. Uh, I'm going to not talk real loud. And uh, we'll get through there. They may have to ride me up a little bit this morning. I'm not sure. Uh, We had a great week uh, this past week, and I appreciate Brother Tommy uh, so very much for what he did here uh, this past week. And um, we were in in Hampton, Virginia for my Navy reunion, and uh, we were supposed to go out on a boat tour of Chesapeake uh, Bay and the harbor there around the Navy ships and what have you on Monday, but it rained, and so we didn't get to go. Went out Tuesday and had a great tour, but it was windy, it was blowing, the boat was rocking, and it was cold out there, and I think this is what it left me with. So, uh, but I'm trying to get through that, and I think I'll get over it, and uh, we'll be all right and make it through today, and so I appreciate that. Love that song. Thank you, Carol, for sharing that. Uh, would, it, would it be nice to just be in the presence of God at some time when it was so when he was so real and so strong that you just couldn't even speak. Just couldn't say anything. Just the presence of God. The presence of the Lord is what makes the difference in our lives. Makes a difference in everything that we do. I want us to look this morning at a kind of an unusual topic. Uh, I'm just calling it simply stubborn believers. Stubborn believers. Susan and I attended a funeral service for a very good friend and a brother preacher of mine, Glenn Lawhon, in Lake City, Florida, back in September of last year. I had known Glenn for many years. We had preached in the same associations, and uh, so I had known Glenn. We'd been good friends for a long time. Folks in Lake City used to tease us about being twins because it was so often we'd show up at meetings and be dressed almost alike. And I thought, well, you got the, you got the memo today, didn't you? So uh, anyway, Glenn was a, just a neat guy, loved the Lord. But when we were at that, at that funeral, the family's pastor, Mike Tatum, who is at uh, Parkview Baptist in Lake City, where I was for seven years, many, many years ago, was visiting with the family before the service and talking with them. And he asked them a question. He said, would you describe Glenn for me In one word, one word, he said almost simultaneously, everyone in the family in the room said, stubborn, stubborn. Boy, I'm thinking, what a word to describe someone, just stubborn. And uh, we often think of stubborn as a negative. He or she is as stubborn as a Missouri mule. Ever heard that, that statement, that phrase? He is stubborn as a Missouri mule. Someone say, he's so stubborn, he won't listen to a word I say. She's so stubborn, she doesn't hear anything that I try to tell her. Stubbornness, but stubborn's not always a bad thing. Stubborn can be a good thing. The pastor went on to give some illustrations about times when stubborn is a good thing. I'm stubborn about my love for my family. That means I'm sticking with it. I'm staying with it. I'm not moving off of that. If you want to call that stubborn, call me stubborn. But that's what I'm going to do. I love my church. I'm going to stick with it. I'm staying by it. You want to call me stubborn about that? Call me stubborn. It's okay. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. So it made me start thinking about the church. So I was sitting there and listening to what he was saying. And, and when after I left that service, I kept thinking a little bit more. And uh, the church, the body of believers, meets on a regular basis to study the Word of God and, and to sing these great songs, great music this morning, Brother Larry, and choir and and Miss Paulette and, and Kara and everyone 
Uh, thank you so much for, for that today. It's great to be together in the house of God. But uh, are there some things that we ought to be stubborn about as believers? Stubborn in love, okay? Not the negative sense, but the positive sense of being stubborn. This is just some things that we're going to stick with, we're going to hang on, and we're not moving off of those things. And I want to look at three biblical passages that give us some good illustration for being very stubborn about the truth of God. The first of these is, I want to be stubborn about the Christian gospel. Don't you want to be stubborn about that? Listen as we read Colossians chapter 1, verses 23 through 23. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was, presented, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul is saying, folks, at one time you were alienated. You were enemies with God. You were at enmity with God. We don't want to think of ourselves in that kind of way and say, enemies with God? The one who created? Surely I wouldn't be an enemy of God. But we are when we're in sin. We are when we've not trusted Christ as our Savior. We have basically said, when I won't trust Christ as Savior, I'll trust myself and what I can do in this life. I can promise you this, you can trust in yourself, but there will come a time when that is woefully inadequate for the issues of life that we face. We sang about some of those a little bit earlier this morning. And he says, that's where you were outside of Christ, wicked works, doing your own thing. I won't ask for testimonies this morning, but if we went around this room, every one of us could say, think of something. We're going, boy, you know, I wish that were not in my past, but it is. It is. It's part of what he's talking about here, but he reconciled us in the body of his flesh when he died on the cross to present us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Lord, what, is, what do I do to represent you well? That's what I want to do. That's what it means to live out that Christian life. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But it says, if indeed you continue in the faith. What he's saying is this. You've trusted Christ already. Why not live it out? Why not just, just share that gospel? Why not be stubborn for that gospel? Why not say, that's what changed my life. He is the one who has made the difference in me. And, and I, I appreciate him for that. I love him for that. He loved me. I love him. And now I'm going to be sticking with that gospel and nothing is moving me off of that. Notice the word that he says there. Grounded and steadfast. Steadfast. Not moved away. I like that little word steadfast. It's hedraios in the Greek. Hedraios. It's from a derivative of Hedzomai, which means this, just to sit down, sedentary. I've taken my stand. I'm sitting here on this. I'm not moving. This is where I am. You can't move me off the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going anywhere. It means immovable, immovable, going nowhere from that. The Bell translation is this stubborn stubborn I'm going to be stubborn about the gospel
And I'm going to do that in a loving kind of way. And I'm going to share that with people around, not in a negative sense, but in a very loving sense, immovable on the truth of salvation by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, you know it well. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We have nothing to boast about, but we have everything to be thankful for. And when we realize what he's done for us, we were wicked. We were outside of Christ. We were enemies. He died for us, rose again that we could have eternal life. And we trusted in him, and he made the difference in our life. His presence comes into us and makes the difference in our life. Why would we want to move away from that? We wouldn't. We're just going to be stubborn about it. John three sixteen, you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life, the life that goes on the forever, the forever, the forevers. And that's what it means just to continue, keep on going on and keep on going on. It goes on and on and on. And that's what we have when we trust in him as our savior. Thank you, Lord. Am I gonna move off of that? For anybody, for any reason, no. Somebody comes along and says, well, let me knock on your door and give you something here that that doesn't exalt Christ as we know the Word of God does. Am I going to say, that's okay, don't worry, that's fine. No, not at all. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Met a person out in California some years ago when Susan and I were out there working with the North American Mission Board and trying to do some church planting in the Palos Verdes Peninsula. Interesting place, but uh, this man said that when someone comes into his house to visit with him and they're from one of these other groups uh, out there, you know who they are, that come knocking on your doors all along and uh, riding around and whatever. Said when they come in my house, I invite them in. Come on in. And he said, when we get in, first thing I do is say, let's have a word of prayer. And he says, I get them by the hands there. And he said, man, I preach the gospel to them. And he said, they can't stop because we're praying. I thought, boy, how interesting is that? I'm not moving off of the gospel for anybody, whatever their reason may be. I haven't tried that yet, but I probably should. Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we may be saved or must be saved. That's how it is. And we're not going to move off of that. Don't let anyone move you. Galatians chapter 1, verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God, uh, our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. And then he says, I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a dis- different gospel, which is really not another. Only, those, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Boy, they are. What could possibly be better than the gospel of Christ? I know sometimes folks look at that and say, well, it's hard, to, it's hard to imagine how one person could be born in this world, live for 33 years, and be crucified cruelly on a cross. And then that one person could make the difference for everybody on the planet. It's not our plan. It's not your plan. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. This is a God thing. Not something anybody else could do. 
It's what God has said that he will do. And he said, so why would we distort this good news of Christ? It's not something we can work for. We've already read that. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a grace of God. God says, let me give you something. Let me give you something. Trust me. It's worth having. It's a free gift that I'm giving to you. And as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. What a blessing that is. He said, You're, these people are distorting the gospel, but, verse 8, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. That's a tough word, anathema. Accursed. Set aside. Man, why would we want to move off the gospel of Christ? No reason to. No reason at all. No other people on the planet have this gospel. We're entrusted with the only truth that will save the souls of humankind from eternal separation from the very presence of God. We have that message. No one else has it on this planet. No one else. You say, preacher, that's kind of a scary thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, it is. But that's why God has given us the responsibility as his people to live this truth, to share this truth, to stick by this truth, and not be moved off of it for any reason ever for whatever, and share it with our world. It's the only truth that by the grace of God through faith in the heart of a believer will bring eternal life. It's the only one. There is no other. Christ is the one. Let's be stubborn. Stubborn believers who for the love of souls of humankind never waver from the truth of God. Let's be stubborn now. Say, now, today, I'm going to stick by this. Not in a negative manner, but in a loving manner. I'm going to stick by the truth of Christ now. And when the new pastor comes to be in our church here, I want to say, man, when he gets here, he's going to find the folks that are sticking with the gospel of Christ, and we're not moving for anybody. And we're going to stick with that until Jesus comes. That's where we are. Stubborn. Secondly, let's be stubborn about the Christian life. Kind of talked about that a little bit in that passage a minute ago. But I want to take our text for this point from the context of Paul's letter to Corinth, in which he talks about the matter of death and the change that happens when this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This corrupt body must put on that incorruption that God gives it. And in the context of that, of that passage in 1 Corinthians 15, in verse 58, he says, since these things are true, he says, therefore, Brother Larry, someone said one time, when you see therefore in the Bible, you ought to see what it's there for. And it makes sense to think about that. Why is he saying this? He says, because of the truth that one of these days, these bodies are going to be perishing. One of these days, we are going to be. Someone will pull the shroud over our face, barring the imminent return of Christ. Even so, come Lord Jesus. He came right this moment to catch every one of us by surprise, wouldn't he? Because we're not thinking about it that much. But all, all of us are going to go through that experience. And he said, because of those things, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Steadfast. Hedraios. Same thing that we talked about in that passage in Colossians. Derivative of heads of mind. To sit. I'm going to stick with this and I'm not moving off of it. We're going to live the way Christ would have us to live. Immovable. He puts in here. Bell translation. Stubborn. Let's just be stubborn about it. Not in a negative way, but in a loving way. Say, we're going to live it out. We're going to live for Jesus. I love the fact that I had men on that ship in the Navy that loved me in spite of everything. And they didn't, they, they were not terribly concerned about what anybody thought about them. They just loved the Lord. In fact, they were, it was kind of like they were, were, and they didn't say it in this term, but it's, it's like this. They were saying, guys, you can laugh at us. You can look down on us. You can think we're crazy. You can call us Twinkies if you want to. But guess what? We love Jesus, and we're going to stick by it, and that's how we're going to live. Those guys made a huge impression on me, and I thank God for that because it was through that group of men that I finally came to my senses. And one night there in the chapel, I said, Lord, I've heard about you all my life, but I don't know you. Tonight, nothing else matters. And the Lord moved in and made a new person out of me. Why would I want to go back to something that is destructive and, and deadly? Why would I want to go back to that? That wouldn't make any sense at all. We want to stick with living out the Christ life in our life. In that passage, he challenges a reader to consider life in the now. While we're here now. Until the Lord comes. I told you how Vance Havner used to say when someone asked him what time it is, it's until. It's until Jesus comes. That was his standard answer. And that's what we're living. We're living in the until. Until Jesus comes. And until Jesus comes, we want to represent Jesus well. That's become a prayer of mine on a daily basis. Lord, today, help me to represent you well. And I fully know that I'm going to be involved in things throughout the day and, and life's going to be going on and life has a way of throwing you curves all along. And so what we have to do when we make that prayer, Lord, help me to represent you well today, whether I'm at school, at work, at home, at play, whatever I'm doing, help me to represent you well today. When we make that prayer, we fully understand something. We have to depend on the Lord to remind us throughout the day who it is that we're to represent. I might forget. I might get caught up in the day. But the Lord can remind me. Lord, would you help me to represent you well today? I confess I need your help. Can't do it by myself. You leave it up to me, I can blow it up really well. But with you, your strength, your power, your presence, today we can be successful. You and me, mostly you. I want to be stubborn about living out the Christian life. We've talked about the lifestyle that will help us live out the Christ life. We talked about prayer and Bible study and, and uh, fellowship with believers. We talked about abstaining from the very appearance of evil. Two weeks ago, we talked about that. We talked about hungering and thirsting after righteousness because we want the righteousness of Christ in our lives. That's what this is all about. Represent Jesus well. Being stubborn about it. Not in a negative way, but in a very loving way. Just going about life. Just loving people. Have you ever seen someone that, that it's pretty evident that they've been called to be ministers of misery? 
You know anybody? You know any folks like that? And everything is wrong, and something's upside down, and everything, and all we can do is just fuss and complain. You ever been around folks like that? Did you enjoy it? Not usually. But if we're living out the Christ life, and even in the tough times, even in the tough times, when we can smile and say, yes, it's okay. It's okay. It's tough when you walk in a room and you see the, the heart monitor and it's flat. And that's your mom that you loved so much and she loved you and, and she would fight for you. She's gone. To say, it's okay, Lord. Her victory's complete. It's tough. It's tough when you're trying to take one of those little wet sticks and paint your son's dry lips knowing it's not much longer for this world. It's not always a fun thing. Touch the top of his, inside of his mouth with that thing and boy, his teeth would clamp down on it. Then I'd have to work it back out. Those are not fun times. But to be able to say, it's okay, Lord. And tell him, Nate, could be that pretty soon you're going to be hearing Jesus say, it's time to come. When you hear him, it's okay, son. It's okay. You can go. Oh, it's not always fun. But I can tell you this. When you can do it with the love of God in your heart, it makes a difference in this world. And people see it. They still talk about Nate's impact on their lives. We're going to live that out. We're going to be stubborn about that now, through these days. When the new pastor comes, he's going to find folks that are just steadfast, immovable. We're going to live for Jesus. And we're going to represent Jesus well every day of our lives. That's what we want to be stubborn about. But then the last thing, we want to be stubborn about the Christian future. The future of the people of God. Hebrews chapter 6, 19 and 20, he says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Don't let Melchizedek worry you. Don't let him worry you. In the Old Testament, he talks about who he is, and he's the... He's, he's the priest of God, and it talks about we don't have, you know, anything about his family past and all this. He had one. It just says, I want, to under, I want you to understand something. When Christ comes as a priest, he's going to be the priest that always has been, is now, and always will be. And you look back in the Old Testament and find a guy back there that was a whole lot like that. He was born that way, came that way, lived that way, and that's who he is. And he's sticking with that, and it's always going to be. So don't let Melchizedek worry you. I know he used to when I was a lot younger, and people would say, you know, we'd try to, try to witness to somebody, and they'd say, you want to talk to me about Jesus? First of all, tell me where Melchizedek came from. And they didn't want to hear anything we had to say. Don't let Melchizedek worry you. 
He is a he is a man who was very alive and very real in Old Testament days, and he is a symbol of who Christ is for us today, and that's what we need to get from Melchizedek. It's not important who his folks were. not important all those other things. What's important is that God is trying to teach us a lesson about our hope that is in Christ. And he says, we have a hope that is steadfast and sure. Why? Because of the resurrection of Christ, he lives, we shall live. And not only do we live by the faith in Christ of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, not only do we live out our Christian life every day representing Jesus well, but we can be sure of this. We have a hope that is steadfast and sure it is there because of the resurrection of Christ. We live and we always will if we have faith in him and trust in him as our Savior and Lord. I love this word steadfast here in verse 19. It's not the hedraios that we looked at a few minutes ago. It's bibaios, different word in Greek. So what does that mean, preacher? What it means is it is stable. It isn't going anywhere. It's firm. It's, yes, steadfast. It is, another word that can be translated here is, it is sure. S-U-R-E. It is sure. How many things can we really be sure of in this life? Not that many. But there's one thing we can be sure of. Because of the resurrection of Christ, we trust in Him as our Savior. He comes inside to, <coughs> excuse me, and fill us with His presence. We can be sure that because we've trusted Him and He is here, we can be sure that when someone pulls us right over our face, we can step into the presence of the Lord, and there we will be with Him forever. Are we going to move off of that? Are we going to let someone talk us out of that? Are we going to let someone say, well, that's not how that is? No. Our hope is not a wish-so kind of hope. You've been through some dry times in, in the weather around, and we're saying, boy, the grass is dying. It's dry. Everything is dusty. It's just dust everywhere we go. I sure wish it would rain. And we see a little cloud out there. Boy, I sure hope it rains. We use that word hope. Hope it rains. It's kind of like, man, it sure would be great if it would. But I'm not real sure if it's going to or not. That's not the hope that's in the Bible. The hope in the New Testament is as sure. It's based upon the promise of God. Our hope is in the resurrection of Christ because he resurrected. He has promised us that when we trust in him, we will have eternal life. We'll never perish. We'll have eternal life. Our hope is in the risen Lord. We have this hope as an anchor of the soul, this passage says, an anchor that holds. I remember when our ship pulled into Jamaica in Montego Bay, and uh, they would throw that big old anchor off the front of that aircraft carrier, and, and it would drag it right back out to sea. So the guys would have to roll that big anchor back up, and we'd pull back up and throw it back down, and drag it back out to sea. Finally, they found a chunk of coral or something down there big enough to hold an aircraft carrier. And then we got to go ashore on Liberty. So that was fun. This is not that kind of an anchor that you throw out and, well, maybe it'll hold, maybe it won't. This one, because of Christ, is sure and steadfast. It's there. It's not going to move. It's real. And it stays. Our hope 
is in Christ, found in the resurrection of the Lord. One of my favorite passages of Scripture talks about that. In 1 Peter uh, chapter, chapter 1, it's a great passage. This is one of my bookmarks. It has North Florida Passion Play. I don't want to lose that bookmark. That's a good one. I've seen some good stuff here. But in this, in first, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a what? Living hope. Not a dead hope. A living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, it's biblical. That's what we've been talking about. It's biblical. And you don't have, but let me read on the next couple of verses. Which a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You have a reservation there. When you trust Christ as your Savior, they put your name on the reservation list called the Lamb's Book of Life. And when you leave this world, you have a reservation that says, it's mine, nobody else can have it, nobody else needs it, everybody can have their own by trust in him, but this one is mine, it's reserved for me, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for me, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. When he comes and says, it's time to come home, and we are ready then to go home, be with him. He says, now you're going to get the full revelation of everything I've been trying to tell you. The salvation is full and complete. Your victory is complete. Everything is done. It's all there, and it's for you, and it's reserved for you. Thank you, Lord, for that. And it says, who are protected by. King James says, kept by. Protected by. That's military terminology. For all you military guys out there, it's like you're in the fort and all the garrison is around you and you're right in the middle and everything around is protecting you from anything the enemy might try to do to get to you. Do earthly analogies break down? Sure they do. Someone might have enough power to storm the fort and overcome that in terms of our military might down here. But listen, he didn't say you're protected by your buddies around you in that passage, did he? He didn't say you're protected by the guns and weapons of, of modern warfare or mankind's warfare. He didn't say that, did he? He said, you are protected by the power of God. Thank you, Lord. Any power you know can overcome that? No. We're going to stand fast on the steadfastness of the promise of God that when we leave this world, we go to be with him forever. Thank you, Lord, for that. I love the way John says it, and you do too. In John chapter 14, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
I'm fixing it up just for you. You have a reservation, remember? It's yours. It's undefiled. There's nothing wrong with it. it, it is, it, it's imperishable. It doesn't, it doesn't fade away. Nothing's going to happen to it. It's yours. And I'm preparing it for you. And when the time comes, I'm going to come get you. And we're going to go and be together in that place forever. I don't know about you. I'm excited about the Christian future. I'm excited about it. And we're going to stand on that. And we're not going to move off of that. Contrary to the future of the child of God is the future of the person who does not know Jesus as Savior. We simply say they're lost. They're lost. They don't, they don't understand. They don't know. Somebody needs to tell them. Somebody needs to help them to see and understand. You and I can't make them see and understand but we can sure do what Jesus said do. Go tell them, and the Spirit of God can help them understand. I never saved anybody. You didn't either. But he does, and he uses us. Isn't that amazing? He uses us. That's why we're going to stand on the gospel. We're not going to move off of that. That's why we're going to live the Christian life. We're not going to move off of that. That's why we're going to stick with this truth about the future of the Christian. But we also need to know the future of the lost person in Mark 9, 43, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than having two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. Better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. Better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Awful. We can't even describe the awfulness of it. I love the Christian future. I'm excited about that. For those who do not know the Lord, it's nothing but awfulness and darkness and death forever and forever and forever and never being able to die. Eternally dying, but never able to die. Let's be stubborn believers about the gospel, about the Christian life, about the Christian future. And let's never forget the future of those around us who do not know Jesus and what that means. There are some other biblical issues, truths of God that we can be very steadfast, we can be stubborn on, in a loving kind of way. But these three are pivotal. Salvation by grace through faith is not a negotiable. It is non-negotiable. There is no other way. Living the Christian life in a way that honors God is mandatory if we're going to make an impact for the Lord in this life. And we want to do that. And invite others to come go with us. And there's coming a time when this physical life is over. It's done. And we need to keep that in mind as we interact with people always. In closing, question. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? Nothing more important than knowing that you have faith in Jesus. That makes a difference as you face life on a daily basis. And it sure makes the difference when the time comes for you to leave this existence and move on in to the next. It makes a difference. Do you know him? If not, why not trust him now?
Lord, I've heard about you. I don't know you. I realize I need you. My sin put you on the cross. Will you, oh God, forgive me of that now. And will you come into my life and be my savior from sin and help me to walk with you day by day in my life. You know what? He says, you trust me, I will. I went, Lord, I want to trust you. That's the desire of my heart. And he takes that desire turns you into a child of God and makes you his forever. Do you want to know him? You can. Why not ask him? Lord, be my savior. He will. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to just think about these things from your word and how important they are. Lord, eternal consequences in these, eternal consequences for us when we trust Jesus as Savior, the eternal consequences of, of a place where the person never dies and the fire is never quenched and it's hell forever and forever and forever. Eternal consequences for those who do not know you. Lord, eternal consequences for the way we conduct ourselves in life every day. We want people to see Christ in us. And know that there's coming a time when by faith in Christ we can spend eternity with our living Lord forever in a place called heaven. Lord, may we be faithful servants of God to remain steadfast in all these things. And Lord, if there's one in this room today who would honestly say, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. Lord, may this be the moment that they say, yes, Lord, I trust you. What a blessing that will be. We thank you for it already. In Jesus' name, amen.